Hey everybody, it's episode 355 and I have the biz buds with me. So Tom Ross and Mike Janda, which earlier today I called Mike Ross and Tom Janda, but it works. We're going to talk about collaboration because I think you guys both have different stories for, and then you have a collaborative project that you do together, which is called Biz Buds and it's a podcast and it is amazing. And how long has it been going on? We are on episode wow. number three. 31? 30. Yeah, 30 weeks in. And uh, yeah, we started launching at the start of January and we started recording at the end of November last year. Okay. And when we started it, we're like, man, this is going to be a hell of a year. New podcast, what could go? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Nine episodes later, there was a global <laughs> pandemic. We, we put in an emergency episode when that hit, episode 9.5. Mm. So we're really at 31, Tom. It's true. Yeah. You both of I believe that both of you enjoy and understand the power of collaboration. Is that a true fact? Okay. For sure. Tom, you too. Tom, when did you start your first collaborative project? And was it for money or fun or both? Both. It was school. I did business studies when I was, I don't know how old I was, like 15 or 16. And we had this thing called Young Enterprise, which is a thing in the UK where they basically encourage school kids to start a business and try and learn that process. And so we started this crappy little business. I was the CEO, if you could have called me that. And there was like five of us and we did it as a collaborative effort. And it was initially good, but then it fell up because basically it was a bunch of ill-disciplined teenage boys. But business studies, teacher little side note got super pissed with us because he really liked the girls in the class and they founded a girls team and he really hated the boys because we messed around too much so the girls worked super hard they stayed nights like in the school property and we're doing like tie-dye t-shirts and all this kind of stuff they were slaving away they were working their hearts out they poured so much passion into it the boys basically last minute went and bought a load of sweets and chocolate at cost value or whatever. We used one of our parents' Costco things. And then we set up a table in the playground and sold them at this ridiculous markup. And it was just like locust descending. The kids went nuts because obviously it's sugar. We didn't have a vending machine even at the school because it wasn't allowed. So we were like this underground little uh, mafioso operation. And we just made so much money that the teacher hated it. He was like, you don't have it. You haven't even worked out. That was my first collaboration. As Tom was talking, I was trying to think back on any kind of little collaborative things. I'm sure I had little lemonade stand kind of stuff, collaboration stuff growing up. But my first collaboration that I've ever put any time into was in my second job. I had learned some 3D modeling and animation software. And so had one of my buddies at the little marketing company we worked at. And we decided we were going to make a cartoon thing out of it, a little 3D cartoon. This is late 90s, 1997 or something like that. Anyway, so we put time into it. I put way more time into it than he did. And it never materialized into anything. But that was one of my first little collaration things. Okay. Had you ever heard that story, Tom? Not like that. No. I, 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 feel like I didn't even remember that story until while you were talking, Tom. <laughs> I, I feel like we're learning a lot about each other. I feel like we're at couples <laughs> therapy and Diane's just bringing us closer together. Came together. How does Mike's story make you feel, Tom? I want to give him a big hug. No, too bad. We can't <laughs> hug right now. Okay. So Mike, how many collaborative projects ha have you undertaken? So I would consider like Riser a collaborative project, even though, because you had to have other people on a team that had responsibilities. You know yeah. What I mean? So Riser, though, I owned it 100%. And so the people that I brought in were employed people. They weren't people who felt the weight of it. The so same is, way that I do. So collaborative, does that mean it has to be a partnership where there's, for you in your mind, is that the definition? I, I think so. I think it's a joint venture between two or more entities trying to accomplish some objective. Build a business, build a product, create a 3D cartoon, whatever it might be. But they both are bringing their time to the table, their time and expertise to the table, not necessarily for money. And when you employ somebody, yes, there's collaboration in that you interact with each other, but it's not a collaboration project. You're employing somebody to fulfill the needs of your project. Do you, can you think of how many you've undertaken? So I, yeah, so I've had a handful. I had a business, this was back in like 2010 or so. This was probably the first one that 
I ever put significant time into. I was approached by somebody in the office complex that I had met and he has and still has like a hundred plus employees down in Peru that do photo retouching and restoration. And they're all graphic design graduate people, but down there's not enough graphic design jobs. So they work at his photo retouching restoration company. He makes millions of dollars a year. It's a great business. He approached me and said, hey, I have all these employees who all are designers, but I have them doing photo restoration. What if we made a business together where we offer some lower cost design solutions and build a business, a separate business as a joint venture partnership between you and me? So I did that. We had another partner as well. And and it was, we built up a, a little agency called Gimme Creative and built it over a couple of years of time. I went down to Peru a bunch of times and did employee training. We hired six, seven employees down there, did some training, went to Machu Picchu and the whole deal that you do when you're in Peru. And jealous. Yeah, it was amazing. And that's that put it on your bucket list. Machu Picchu is unbelievable. Unbelievable. And so we built this business. And then at some point he decided he was the majority owner and he decided, oh, you know what? I want to roll this into my main business. And so he bought out my interest and the other partner's interest. And and that's and it kept going. And he's still running that now as part of he has several little businesses as part of his business. Did he so, approach you? Yes, approached me for that and approached me to buy out my interest and the whole deal. Yeah, it was, I just went because for me, and you had this in your questions, was the collaboration for money or was it for fun? When I was running Riser and this, I was like eight years into Riser at the time and Riser had, we had 15 employees or something and it was running without me having to drag it everywhere. It was a legitimate business that was operating. And so I finally had a window of time in my life where I could say yes to something like that and have the fun of starting a new collaborative business in Peru with Peruvian employees and be able to travel there. And I speak Spanish and I went down and did training in Spanish with the employees and things. And it was so fun. I loved the experience of it. Monetization was the byproduct that if it ever turned into something great and if it didn't, what it did turn into is that the person I started with is one of my best friends and he's super inspirational entrepreneur. He's, I think he just turned 65 or something and, but has tons of businesses and tons of real estate holdings and stuff. He's like the multi-gajillionaire next door kind of person where you would never know when you met him that he makes as much money as he does. And that relationship with him has become such a hugely valuable thing to me in my life. So there's so many different things that we get out of a collaboration. It's not just about, okay, let's make this and see how we can monetize it. I got life experience. I built new friendships. I built confidence in international business and things and education and international business. I got experience in a partnership that I had never had before. And how do you manage a partnership relationship like that in business? Uh, So there's some invaluable things that came out of it beyond just monetization. What I also hear is that you were willing to take risks because you had stability in Mm -hmm. some areas, just like he had stability in the photo retouching part, but he also saw opportunity and you saw it as an opportunity to grow and expand, right? Yeah, Uh, For you, because you hadn't done Spanish prep for people. And there was just a lot of other things that, again, you said it built confidence, but it's also that you were willing to try. Yeah. Okay, I love that. Okay, so how many others have you had? Could you count? I guess when I sold my business, when I sold my agency, that became a partnership because I had three business partners in the agency that I sold to. I became a minority owner of that agency and there was another minority owner and then the two majority stakeholders. And so I spent two and a half years there in that partnership and had to manage the dynamics of partners and opinions and I no longer had veto power over every decision that was made in the business. And so I had to learn how to navigate a business world like that with partners in a multi-million dollar business that we didn't bootstrap. It was already an established business. We had 70, 80 employees. And so it was a legitimate thing. We had to make good decisions. And so I got some great experience 
in that. And those start with a contract, right? Like you're not oh. just, hey guys, you're talking about majority and minority yeah. stakeholders. This isn't just, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to let you guys be in charge for a while and I'm right. So yeah. things happen in both, like the Peru guy and in there were like lawyers involved probably or some sort of yeah. contract. Yeah. You make a, we made an LLC with the, the Peru business. So we had an LLC that was, had partnership ownership and things, separate bank accounts. So there was a contract and agreement in that. And then when I sold my agency, huge contract, it was non-compete clauses and buyout clauses and vesting schedule for ownership and all the stuff was signing that and then signing an employment agreement as well. So there was an ownership agreement and an employment agreement, both of those things. And when you do a deal that big, those kinds of collaborations are lawyers involved. My lawyers looking at these contracts, their lawyers looking at the contracts and getting everybody on the same page. That's when things get a little wonky too. You bring emotion into it and you find a clause in a contract that I don't like and they do like it and you have to negotiate your way through it. And those kinds of things are challenging for sure. And that's big business collaborations, I think. Smaller ones like Tom and my podcast, when Tom made me create the contract for our podcast and he was bossing me around for that, that was just like a little one pager that said, I don't even remember what it said. Tom, we're just going to- Something about I've got kind of full rights to your soul. Yeah, I think you were going to raise my second kids one. for their education. I think that's what it said. Something, yeah. Something, something like that. Like. I think ours was mostly based on non-disclosure agreements because Tom and I talk in, there's very little that we don't share uh, about our past and our current businesses and things. And Tom doesn't share some of the design cut stuff with me because he has some stakeholders in that. So there's non-disclosure that he doesn't breach there. But outside of that, it's an open book. And we have a non-disclosure agreement between each other that we're not going to go and blab on. Yeah. yeah. Beyond just that, it's an entity that is, we both hope, going to grow into something enormous. And so I think this is such a big tip. Like, I know it seemed a bit OTT when my, a- like o- over the top. Oh. Nobody, when- knows, <clears throat> nobody knows that acronym. Okay. a bit Lots of things. I made that one up, Twitter. <laughs> Hashtag. Yeah, it seemed a bit excessive, I'm sure. But experience tells me that when you believe something is, is going to become much bigger, it's much easier to have those discussions and get everything clarified and agreed in writing early on, rather than suddenly it's this enormous deal that is actually worth a lot of money and brand equity. And now you're fighting out over the details. It's just easier to establish that at ground zero. Right. Yeah, totally agree. Okay. When you're, Mike, you actually asked Tom, you approached Tom to so tell this- about that. And then I'm going to get to Tom and some of you're not feeling left out, buddy. Okay. Good. Yeah. So the story on that, Tom, last year when I was starting to grow my Instagram audience, I started doing video collaborations with some of the people that were also growing their Instagram audiences. And I had seen somebody share a video of Tom and and I don't know, Tom and I probably DM'd a couple times as we met through Instagram DMs. And then I asked Tom if he wanted to do a video collab with me and we did this video collaboration and we just hit it off. We talked for 20 something, 27 minutes or something on the very first question that we were going to talk about and just saw eye to eye in the way that we think and approach business. And then we spent another hour on the phone on our Zoom call after that and made some content snippets. So that was around this time last year. And then I was getting pressure for a few months from my audience asking me, hey, do you have a podcast? When are you going to start a podcast? And so I had that rattling around my brain thinking, okay, that's a natural next step for what I'm doing in my career right now. I need to start a podcast. Do I want to just spin up something myself? And what do I, what should I do? And then I kept thinking about Tom and reached out to Tom. Tom already had 12 other podcasts that he was doing at the time of all his podcasts that he, his podcast list. So I reached out to him and I said, and the message was, Hey man, want to do a podcast together? I think it was just that simple of a message. And he was receptive to that idea. And that's when it started to take wings. Tom, what did you think? So you had done this, you knew you clicked with Mike, but when somebody, when you do, you did, you do have a lot on your plate and you do a lot of collaborations already. So what did you think when he asked you to do one more thing? I thought 
there's no way I can say no to this. I'm, I'm going to give a straight answer instead of Raz on mic for a change. I'm going to give okay, an good. honest answer. I, I was in a position where I was having to say no to quite a bit. And this was clearly something that was going to be an ongoing time suck. And so logically, it made sense to say no. But I do operate by my gut in business. And my gut just went, this is going to be something. I, I know it in my bones. This is going to be a good decision. How did you content. know that? Well, your gut, you don't, you can't always explain your gut. From experience. But there was something yeah. that happened. There was something in Mike that you could trust. Because this is what I'm trying to say. If we just said, oh, let's just trust our gut. Some people don't have good gut. So there's some things you can do. Me and Dustin talked about this when, <laughs> you know, about his little girl, like teaching his daughter when to trust her gut. And she's, I think a fairy will happen or like a, whatever, something yeah. terrible will happen if this happens. So, so he's oh, can you trust your gut on that? So think about there must have been something. I think that so many people either, oh, I can't trust my gut or I can, but I actually think it's a learned tool. You learned it through many times of either it failing or then yeah. you figured out there was something about Mike. Yeah. So there were a few things. I can't even legally get into it, but one of my previous collaborations, I was very badly screwed out of a business situation. So I can't even really talk about right, right. that today. But experiences like that being like burnt in the worst way possible hone your gut and it gets better over time. With Mike, there's a few things, but he often describes himself with work as like a dog with a bone. And so I could tell he was a hard worker and a grinder because I've had equal other collaborations where it's been one-sided and I think Mike has too. And so I knew it probably wasn't going to be one of those cases. And truly, I think my gut feel how it's played out has been very accurate in that this is one of the most perfect collaborations for all kinds of reasons. Actually, have I got a minute to riff on that? Hopefully that will yeah. be helpful for people. Okay. We are similar in terms of we both were committed and we work super hard and we show up. So it's not like one of us is just flaking off. But at the same time, we both have our own stuff going on whereby we could be pushing it a lot more. So I think we're both operating in a kind of sweet spot middle ground. Mike's building his brand and his course, et cetera. I'm running my company, which means this is important to us, but it's not the most important thing. There would be an imbalance if Mike had all that going on and I had nothing going on and I was pinning all my hopes on this podcast. Then I'd probably be coming to Mike and saying, hey man, I'm putting my whole life into this thing. Why are you not pushing as much as me? So I think we have a kind of equal level of commitment. And hopefully as the podcast grows, we're going to maintain that equilibrium. Equally, there's a kind of nice division of labor where it's generally very even. And sometimes one of us will do more in one area, but the other one does more in another area. So historically, Mike's been amazing with nailing the audio intro, setting up the logo and some of the graphics, which we can use for the show, even like being more organized with the topics. And he's been kind enough to do that kind of stuff because I've been, he's full-time on his personal brand and doing this and I'm running a company, I'm generally the one who's shorter on time, historically speaking. So he's been amazing orchestrating that stuff where honestly, I wouldn't have had the bandwidth to do it and the show might have fallen apart. Equally more recently, he's been busy with his course and I've been trying to push some more promotional efforts and put more content out than he's been able to do. And hopefully neither one of us feels bad about that because it's give and take. And I feel like there is a nice balance there and we're both equally giving and committed to this collective thing. And I think there's a huge kind of complementary fit as well in terms of skill set and outlook where we're super aligned with like our intrinsic values and the fundamental stuff, which really matters in any partnership and collaboration. But Mike hits the client agency side, which I'm not so experienced in. I hit the kind of community building, brand building, digital product side and e-commerce side. And so that's a real nice mesh where we're not treading on each other's toes. We can actually be a sum that is greater than the parts. And I think that's the whole purpose of any collaborative effort. Do you want to say anything to that, Mike? Super nice, Tom. It's spot <laughs> yeah. on. Do, do you feel good about it with all those yeah. reasons? Yeah. No, I think, I think that's the biggest challenge for any collaboration or partnership is balancing the load. And you and that's why so many of them fail because you envision two people yoked together and if one of them is carrying the load and the other one's just dragging their feet that is going to fail at some point the person carrying the load is going to say this is just you're just more burden for me than I might as than carrying the load all by myself it's not and it's not going to work out so i think that there's some metaphoric perspective there that is why so many collaborations and partnerships fail because it's hard to find the balance. And Tom and I are both in a situation where BizBuds is completely a side hustle of a side hustle. It's 
And so it, it fits in the spectrum of our lives in the same place. And we both do a good job of balancing the effort where we're, neither of us feels, hey, I'm doing all this. I'm doing all the work. Some of that has to do with the editing of the podcast itself. We, we outsource that's, that's that. That's a good point, right? So yeah. I, I used my guy, Marco, for that. So Mike doesn't even have to worry about that piece. And if he started a podcast himself, he would have had to get all of those bits in place. Whereas I already had a machine I could just run it through. Yeah. And we so split I'm the like, cost cool, on it. Marco invoices yeah. me every month and invoices Tom, invoices me for half and Tom for the other half for editing together the podcast and posting it and doing all of the, the production side of the podcast. So Tom and I just jump on for one to two hours a week and riff on the topic list that we're talking about. And then the rest of it just automatically goes other than our marketing efforts, which is usually shouting out to our audiences and things. So there's just a balance and and that's what you got to find. And that's why it's hard to find a good collaboration, a good partnership, because it's hard to get it in balance like that. So Tom, I'm asking you the same thing. Was how many collaborations projects have you done before before this one? Yeah, it's a good question. I actually did start younger than my young enterprise thing. I totally forgot like my oldest friend. I always talk about how I got started at 12. It was building websites and projects with him. And so it was like all through our teenage years, we had so many collab projects. Like we started endless websites. Some of them, we just spent all this time and passion building and they never saw the light of day. Other ones we launched and we made some money from. But essentially I was exposed to a partnership dynamic all through my teens with a guy that I really trust. Like we're still great friends now but he's fronting up some enormous like team of developers in America and very senior. He's a freaking genius. He taught himself fluent HTML at 12 years old in two days. So I'm like, okay. So we've pretty quick, he was, and we pretty quickly, the dynamic of like marketing, entrepreneurial spirit and design, and then dev and tech and infrastructure. So that was a real big one. There were some of the things at school, like I alluded to, there were some of the terrible experiences, which I can't talk about, which I did masterminds as well, a few of them, but this is where the imbalance comes in. Like Mike and I just talked about, I ended up coaching most of the masterminds that I was on and it felt completely imbalanced. I was like, I'm not getting enough value back. I love the people. I actually love giving them value, but Mike and I, it feels 50, 50, like scarily down the middle for me at least anyway even with the honest designers show that's another collaboration that's four of us and i out there those guys and they're so talented and they bring so much to the show but i think it's widely accepted that the dynamic is almost i'm overseeing and hosting and trying to keep the flow and they're bringing all of their value that doesn't really happen with mike it's literally 50 50 and i feel i learn as much from him as hopefully he does from me so that feels good the yeah. honest designers is a different dynamic so you, do you want to tell them about how you asked them? Yeah, I can't remember exactly how, but basically I had the idea of these are people that we work with. I really like them and I'd like to be better friends with them. And so from a personal standpoint, I was like, these seem like my kind of people. This would be fun. On a business standpoint, I knew in the back of my mind, becoming good friends with some of the key people you work with is probably a good idea instead of never speaking to them. So we actually started it as a behind the scenes mastermind, which was never meant for air. We started it as four people that became friends and had a group therapy session once a week. That was it. And so we shared our, we had this hive mind, we shared our problems, what we were going through, and we consoled each other and gave business advice from all these different angles because we had different backgrounds. And then we were like, this is really valuable, these discussions, we should probably record this. So being the savvy entrepreneurs we are, we recorded a, a video of the Zoom chat and we published it on Facebook and we had an hour long video on Facebook that no one freaking watched because who wants to watch an hour long video on Facebook? And we're like, damn, no one cares about these discussions. Maybe we're not so smart after all. Mm -hmm. And then after a few times of doing that, we were like, this is a really dumb strategy. This is clearly better suited as content for a podcast. So we extracted the audio, did it properly, launched it as a podcast. And I think the first episode got like 16,000 listens or something like that because we pulled our collective audience. And then it, it took from there. And I think now it's had 1.7 million downloads or something. Truthfully, if I'm being honest, I feel like I'm cheating on a partner here. I think BizBuds is going to be bigger in the long term. I do. Don't tell the other entrepreneurs <laughs> yeah, in a yeah, public recording like this. <laughs> but what it, what if you think about it, you came to them and mm -hmm. and they're amazing and y'all are amazing, are. but you've always had that host feel. You wrap it up. You need it with four people. It would be a mess otherwise. To. But you also shouldered the burden of, but from the beginning, you were shouldering the burning of hosting it, putting the podcast up, doing the 
tech stuff of it. It wasn't like, yeah. okay, Ian, this week's your week, buddy. Forget the lettering. You're going to be editing the audio. So that was always on you. So then, but then you saw where it could go. And so then you have other things that you've done that are audio. And then you went to video with this, but you see the potential of the community aspect of what you were able to do with that collaboration. Right. Okay. Yeah, so- yeah, definitely. And it's worth noting that with that whole thing of the summers greater than the parts, that absolutely plays out with business and marketing. I did with that podcast with BizBuds, Mike and I are both siphoning our audiences. So you get this kind of cross-pollination that happens as well. That's another great benefit of collaboration. Like we wouldn't, either show, I wouldn't have the download numbers that are there without the collective contribution. Mm-hmm. They haven't all come from me, of course. Okay, so one thing I heard is, and maybe this is something that I should have written down in a question, but you said, or it seemed like you both said where you both wanted to take it. So there was clarity of where it could go or what it was going to look like if you kept doing and and showing up. Was there ever, hey, let's try this for three months and then we'll see. Or was that ever in, there was not a time? I don't think so. No, I think it was, hey, do you want to do a podcast for the rest of our lives together? I think that's pretty much what it was. I do. Yeah. Big commitment, right? Yeah. And that's why you got to hesitate in starting. We knew that it was going to be the hamster wheel that once you start, it's weekly episodes and you got to show up and don't start a collaboration if you're not willing to see it through. I like that's a piece of advice for people watching this. You got to know what it's going to take to to get this to achieve what you want it to achieve. And decide if you really are committed enough to do it because it is a lot of work. It does take a lot of time. It takes preparation. It takes a ton of interaction back and forth with the people you're collaborating with. It's a time suck as Tom calls it. And so you gotta, gotta be careful jumping into these collaborations or it'll fail. That's something you ask someone like is, did you think about that when you were talking to the Peru guy? Did you know the Peru guy? I knew what it was going to take to do that for sure because I had started another business. So I knew the effort that it was going to take to get a business off the ground, but it was too exciting of an opportunity to not do it. And that's how I felt in this collaboration with Tom too. It was like, okay, yeah, I could do a podcast myself, but Tom and I could talk for four hours straight on a topic. And, And that's why we love our podcast because it's our long form content. Yeah, we make 10 slide carousels with... 400 words in it. And that's your content. That's not big enough for Tom and I. We're both long-winded. We both love actionable content. We both love giving you 10 numbers instead of two. You know, your step-by-step guide from Tom and I is not going to be the one step to launching your business. It's going to be the 47-step version. And so we're both aligned that way. And it's really, I think, cathartic for both of us to make the content together because it lets us in this format, get all of our thoughts out, get every idea we have so that we can deliver it to people and hopefully help them in their careers. Like a s'more. When you're (laughs) heated up, you're better together. It is. You know, very few people are savant. They're And this goes in creativity, in marketing, in math, or in any of these things. Very few people are the one person you can stick in a room and poof, there's magic in there with that one person. Not very many people are like that. And you're an educator, Diane, you know this. You see once every five years, you get a savant in your classes. Everybody else becomes great because of critique, Mm -hmm. collaboration, mentoring, cross-mentoring from one person to the next. It's, hey, what do you think of this? Or what do you think about this idea? That's where it's the hive mind or the communal brain that makes most of us get our greatness out. And and I think that's what Tom and I love about this is that our synergy is so good that it turns, because we can riff off of each other, it turns our content into great content when some of our other content might be me just good enough content. Speak for yourself, but yeah. I know, I was I, actually I speaking for you. I was like, <laughs> I don't want to sound arrogant I think the world this, recognizes but... that I raise you up to a level, which is fine. <laughs> it is just the accent. Um, I've mentioned that uh, so many times. He's practicing. If Tom had an American um, accent, nobody would listen to him. I'm yeah, I'd saying. have 10 followers. With like just riffing on that, I think it sharpens you. 
like it legit makes you smarter because you learn through osmosis of the other person when you spend that much time together and it's more fun like it's so much more fun i i did a solo podcast that was my third podcast which i don't do anymore it was fun because i did hardcore q a at scale but talking into a mic on your own it's a pretty weird, lonely feeling. It's like a good exercise yeah. to build that confidence. But man, being able to like riff off someone in real time is just so much better in my opinion. And it's just brainstorming. If you are comfortable that nobody's going to steal your ideas and they really want to make you better, then they'll just give it all because they're not doing the same mm-hmm. project. And oh. so then it does, it's where we can iron sharpen iron, or this is where yeah. we really can get better and stronger. But you do have to have yeah. somebody who's you trust that isn't going to steal the idea i don't give a crap about mike stealing anything like i've had i don't know how many i've had, had a hand. idea that i've stolen from tom <laughs> I, I, think, I think of one thing well that... now we're gonna get down to it <laughs> I, I don't mean ideas <laughs> students there's been a handful of my mm. coaching students that have gone and started booking private sessions with old mikey boy over mm. here and maybe if we were different natured and this was like our mm. full-time thing there might be some com- i honestly don't give a crap i'm like actively pushing people to mike being like yeah he, pff, you're doing like client services or even if it's more my jam vanessa had a call with you right all e-commerce and products yeah. that's probably yeah. more my side yeah. i freaking love that she talked to you and she yeah. came back and said what you shared i was like totally agree yeah. like i feel zero worry about any competition and it's so so refreshing because with yeah. my business we're constantly fending off competitors mm-hmm. because this is my playground i'm just so open i'm like anyone take whatever they want i love my just because somebody schedules a coaching session with me doesn't mean that they don't schedule or stay in your coaching group it's the more yeah. the better it's abundance mentality and not what's the opposite of abundance mentality? Scarcity. Yeah. There you go. And you know what? I've had other friends like Steph Pfizer Coleman. Someone left my group to go and join her group because she's a kid's book illustrator and so were they and they wanted more specific learning. Cool. I don't feel the least bit worried about that. I'm like, good. It's better for the student. Yeah. If I had been more aware, I should have been pushing them into that group because I want the best for them. Yeah. That's it. So- Millions of people in the world yeah. and you don't need to have the mentality of hoarding the, the five that you mm-hmm. have as your mm-hmm. fans. Yeah. I think it also helps that you have another area that you are of income or savings that you're pulling from, mm-hmm. that it's not where you're trying to necessarily have it be 50% of your income coming from yeah. business. <laughs> yeah, but sorry, kids, going to be Uncle Mike stole some business. <laughs> Look up to <your> client. <laughs> but like, how do you when? So as you're having these calls and it's just, you guys are just getting to be more and more brothers. What, where do you, when do you talk about where it's going to be? Because th- sometimes that can be where it gets scary for some people because some people are like, oh, I can't really do anymore everything I'm giving is on the table. And then somebody's, no, maybe I we yeah. could. When you think about it, because Tom's saying biz buds could be bigger than what yeah. Honest Can Designers I, is. Yeah. Just to contextualize this question, I'm interested if Mike agrees. This is my perception of where it could be. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with Lewis House. He has the School of Greatness podcast. I think it's had over 100 million downloads. It's top 100 podcasts in the world. On He's leveraged that and that's been his primary vehicle of building his audience and brand and name and personal brand. On the back of that, he's had best-selling books. He's built a very lucrative business. I think he's worth like $10 million now, last time I looked it up. And it's all come off the back of this podcast being the pillar piece that everything's grown from. Maybe it's shooting a little bit high, but I think that could be BizBuds in a few years time because he's done that podcast for a lot of years nearly a decade or something he was Mm -hmm. early i legit think with the right execution and persistence that could be biz buzz because i'm that proud of the quality of content and i think it actually sits above the majority of of what's out there in terms of pure quality and executional yeah basically making it super executional for people i'm lost for words i've been on live sessions all day but you get the point yeah Yeah. but is that something y'all talk about or you talked about at some point is that scary mike for you i want to conquer the world kind of guy. And so if this is the bone that I'm chewing, like you said at the beginning, then I want to chew it until it's gone. And so that's my mindset on everything I do. That's why that's what drove me to build my agency. That's what drove me to get the clients that I had. It's what drove me to build my personal brand audience on Instagram. It's what drove me to build my course. It's everything is just, I don't want to have it be just fine. Mm. I'm not going to be satisfied until it's great. And greatness is defined 
for me, competitively, oftentimes it's looking around and saying, hey, there's so-and-so person, they got a huge audience. So they're getting tons of downloads on their podcast and we're not. Time to figure out how do we level this up? And, okay. and so I'm committed to pushing this for years to come. We love doing the podcast and the collaboration and our relationship. It's, it's been great. I don't see any reason why this isn't going to become our tentpole piece of content. That's what Tom and I talk about. This, I think that this could be the tentpole content that we create. Do you mind if I'm super transparent about our numbers, Mike? I don't mind. Cool. So it's like we have this enormous ambition, like I legit want 100 million downloads. We've been doing this eight months. We only got 35,000 downloads. We're barely scraping 1,000 downloads an episode, but we haven't deployed that much into marketing it. We really haven't. It's just spreading pretty organically at this point and, and doing cool stuff like this. But it's growing. Not that long ago, it was like three, 4,000 downloads a month. I think this month might be the first one that's going to be around 10,000. So we got 35,000 downloads so far this year and we're in August now. If we keep going on the trajectory we're on, it's going to be more like 75,000. And I predict it's going to top 100,000 in the first year. But it's going to compound. So year two is not going to be 100,000. It's, it's going to be a lot more. Yeah, maybe it's going to be a million. It's going to be a lot more. Gear eight is where it gets super interesting because it keeps building. Yeah, and that's where you go, holy crap, we've got a hundred million downloads. And this has been a career defining thing because I took a pun on this giant man sliding into my DMs back in 2020. We are the same yeah. height. Yeah, yeah, but he's five times wider. Like, no, five right, times. So here's a story. <laughs> we had Mike for one of our events at my company, Design Cuts. My creative director had to creatively direct the graphic showing all the speakers and they had to photoshop his shoulders smaller because it looked <laughs> like they were like joke shoulders they were just like moving <laughs> over the other speakers i decided in my mid-20s when i knew i wasn't going to have hair i can either be 6'3 bald dude with glasses and wimpy or i can just go with this as my brand and hit the gym and turn it into my persona so I chose that. I chose that. (laughs) So there's another part of a relationship like this. It's, I think one, you've had to find character traits that from life, from friends who have been committed and you have drive and you have opposite things that you can offer. But then where's Grace come in? Not a person named Grace, but literally Grace for each other. So when is just up against a wall, what do you do? Or when Mike's up against, Mike's moving. What's, what do you, what happens in those times? Cause that's life. And if you're committed to doing this for however many years in an indefined number, you have to have, that's about your character, right? Yeah. We roll with it and we always try and be ahead on episodes. So episode 30 just launched and I think we have number 33 already done or at least 32. We at least have the next two weeks. In the early days, we had six weeks ahead or something uh, and we lost that because like this morning, Tom had a live event for his audience and Wednesday morning is usually when we record our podcast. So we try and get ahead and we try and roll with it on schedules and things and I had to cancel some when we were in the middle of selling our house and moving and things. So we just roll with it. I think as long as we can be a week or two ahead, we're winning. The idea I, I want to get, get four, four weeks ahead. Now. Four or five weeks ahead. Because is... it gives you the buffer, right? It gives Yeah, the you buffer the... to yeah. cancel. Or get yeah. sick or anything. Like, But it, I, I think it's commitment. And I know Mike has this in spades. I know I do as well. It's like a real entrepreneurial trait. Is you just keep showing up. And case in point, the Honest Designer Show, we've been going more than four years now. We've never missed a week, I don't think. And we've come damn close. We've been like two months ahead at some points and we've been recording on the same day and getting it edited and just put out in time and rushed it out on other points but we've shown up every single week and that matters i think it does matter it absolutely matters okay so if you were just listing characteristics for people if they're going to do a project and these could be shorter projects as I, I think for people who haven't ever done a collaboration do you think that would be maybe something good is to pick something shorter maybe not a podcast to start but maybe something that you could do as like a four-week thing to just see if there's if the if you have the right jam together right yeah i didn't mention this but when i was doing video collaborations riffing on topics last year for my instagram content it was a bunch of collaborations it was collaboration content the commitment my first one with tom was that we spent an hour and a half on the phone and then i edited all the content and cut it all up and put subtitles in some of it and posted it and things that was all the commitment was it wasn't like hey tom will you 
podcast with me forever. It wasn't that. It was just this, let's make a few pieces of content together. And I think that's a great way to start any kind of collaboration just to see if you mesh with people. I didn't ask any of the other people that I collaborated with last year, and there were dozens, to do a podcast. For It was Tom. Tom was the, the right fit. But I did a lot of other collaborations with people who I love, and they do great content, but they weren't so synergistic that it was a good fit for me. So it was good experimentation. I think that's what you're getting at. Do a small collaboration before you launch into the eternal relationship of blending your two brands together on some kind of piece of content or business or whatever it might be. Tom, do you have any other characteristics you would say? I love what Mike just said. It's basically a minimum viable product and validation. I talk about Mm. those two things all the time. Do some small, low commitment thing just to test the water. When you say characteristics, you mean characteristics I look for in another person. Or you could tell me a red flag that you would be like, it's like the synergy. I would love a little bit more explanation of synergy. But that's really who you synergize with. It's not, oh, Mike synergizes with people who are 6'3 and thin, Mm -hmm. tall. That's not, it's do you know who you have synergy with in your life and who revs you up, I guess, maybe. Yeah, no, totally. I I think a lot of it, comes down to the fundamentals. There's a lot of idiosyncrasies that kind of indicate I'm going to get along well with someone. But I think on the business side, it's things like being very hardworking, consistent, showing up, ambitious, committed, etc. On the personal side, having similar values of being like altruistic, kind, caring about people, um, being like accepting. I'm not going to team up with someone that's like a bigot or intolerant or something like that, for example. All of those kind of fundamental human traits. And within those human traits, for me, it's someone that doesn't take it too seriously as well. And it's different with everyone. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Mike doesn't take himself too seriously, but there's a different dynamic. Like I, I just jumped off a live stream with Peggy Dean right before this. She is like this whirlwind of hilarious energy. Yeah. Mike and I have more of a kind of brotherly, razzing each other vibe. And I have a different dynamic on the Honest Designers show where we have a lot of laughs, but it's in a different way again. So for me, I enjoy being somewhat of a chameleon where I adapt, but I'm only going to adapt to a point. If Mike was like super serious and we could never have a laugh, I'm out. Like I couldn't sustain that. Sometimes I only want to have laughs. I'm like, oh man, we have to, now we have to give content rather just give jokes. He says jokes. It's basically him just poor impersonation of an Englishman. My impersonation is spot on. It is spot on. (laughs) Do you want to tell us or is that a certain episode that they can go and listen to? It's pretty much every episode now. (laughs) I've been working on it. I think there's a pool of people that deeply enjoy it. I'd imagine there's probably a pool of people that don't enjoy it as much and they're just like, they like it. They like it. We have eight (laughs) minutes left. This is going to be like super... Let me share, Diane, before you jump into that, one of the things, characteristics that wasn't mentioned of what can make a good collaboration, I think it's a a true desire for a win relationship, Mm. that you want this to be as good for your collaboration partner as it is for you. And if that's out of alignment, then I don't think it's going to work. And that's what I genuinely want out of this for Tom. I want Tom to build his brand reputation. I want Tom to share his knowledge to more people. I want it to be successful for him. I want it to have an impact on his business, on his personal brand business and on his design cuts business. I want I want all those things for me too. Exactly. (laughs) And that's why it's a win. Tom wants to win twice. And that's why it works for him. Yeah. I think I'm really blessed. I feel like a lot of friends that are like that. And I'm I'm very thankful that y'all are my friends. But now I have like super fire fast questions. Yeah, I know I'm skipping some, but I'm trying which of these would be So how, so Mike, you have experience from this. I know Tom, you've had experience with this too, maybe in two different sides, but quickly without any NDAs, but as it's ending, how do you, like the guy who ended it in, in Peru, how did mm-hmm. he come to you where you still felt he, he's your friend? Because that ended really well. Yeah, it ended really well. He showed up and with a check and it was a big amount of money and said, hey, this has been great, but I want to roll this into my family of businesses. So I want to buy out your shares. Here's a check 
for what I think your shares are worth. And I was like, it's very generous. Thank you. What was that? In and left field you weren't planning for? I'm out in left field. Yeah. Yeah. I, and admittedly, it was at the end of the year. And I think there was some tax benefits for him doing that at the in December and things. So it wasn't quite out of the blue because he knew that I was still 100% owner of Riser and I right. was still in the grind of my own agency. So that one was a little bit out of the blue, but in answer to your question, the right way to do it, and I'm not saying that was wrong because it worked out great and we're still great friends. The, the right way to do it is don't surprise your collaboration partner. Tell them, hey, I don't really feel like this is working out quite right for me, so I'm struggling right now. Just that kind of conversation, open-ended to your collaboration partner can result in the conversation that you should be having. Okay, what's not working out? What should we change? Or should we abandon it? Or should we pivot? Or what needs to happen next with this collaboration? And you can have that conversation. I think that's what's the right approach to doing it. No one wants to feel blindsided. Sorry, I just, I'm listening to every word. I just had a really beautiful view. Taking a selfie. It's like a playing, you can't, yeah, let me take it. Yeah, let me take it. Right in the middle of this. I'm very narcissistic. I also think it's just being open. So it's just like a friend treating them like a friend. I was talking to somebody yesterday and I actually think all my clients, I treat like friends. So Every conversation doesn't have to be about me getting money from them. It's just about about being in life with them. And I think that's where you're talking about the win-win. But Tom, yeah. do you have any piece of advice for ending? Not that you guys, this isn't the therapy session. I brought y'all together because Tom wanted to end your- Yeah, I needed them to be mediator because I'm scared. <laughs> oh man, I'm blindsided. <laughs> that, that was about to be my, this is what I mean, synergy, man. I was about yeah. to say no one wants to be blindsided. <laughs> and, and it's so true. I, th- I think this and everything else of this ilk is over communicate. Oh, the radical transparency, which I enforce within my company is just ridiculous. It's like, talk about everything super openly. There should never be any surprises. And like, I haven't said it in a while, but I said it on like, I will actually be like, probably pretty pissed if someone quits or leaves because there should have been five conversations before that Mm -hmm. point where things were like, we're always going to want to fix stuff and make stuff better and get things on track and check that everyone's good. So I'm like, something's very wrong if things haven't been communicated. Yeah. All right. So I really appreciate you guys. What, Tom, tell me what's next for BizBuds in your head. And then Mike, you can finish it off for us. But Tom, tell us. We're going to continue on the growth trajectory. We're going to invest more into marketing it in terms of our time and resource. So we're going to accelerate towards that kind of 100K by the end of the year. It's going to exponentially compound. I haven't had this chat with Mike, but I'm sure he's going to be on board. Every podcast hits a ceiling where you need to start bringing on guests to add to the variety and siphon their audiences to help with the next phase of growth. So I imagine we'll probably get to that point at some point, do some kind of PR, push it more and more. Absolutely. I'd love to do a a book and some other stuff on the back of it down the line, um, just consolidating everything that's in there. And then 100 million downloads. You heard it here first. I want people to come back and listen to this Mm. as a little like esoteric moment of foreshadowing. I love that. Mike, what about you? We, I agree with that perspective. I try not to project too far forward in my life now. I spent a lot of time in my life, and I think I talked about this maybe in on one of our podcast chats, Diane, but, and I know I have with Tom, but too much time looking at the top of the mountain and not enjoying the path mm-hmm. that I'm on. And that's been a challenge in my career. And I'm not doing that with BizBuds. I'm not staring too much at the top of the mountain. I'm just enjoying making great content. And I look forward to my chats with Tom on Wednesday mornings when we we record and just enjoying that. I did throw a little nugget out to Tom a few weeks ago about maybe doing a course at some point in the future. I've been keeping that on the down low, my friend. You you said we were going to do a book, man. I I never heard about a book before. Then Tom was like, yeah, I'd love to do a book. I'm like, what book? If you think about (laughs) it, Lewis Howes, you've written books, so you're right. I've, I've been down that road. Books are tougher in 2020 than ever. Mm-hmm. Not, not self-published books, but books getting publishing deals and stuff. It's a different world today. But hey, we have some things planned. Let's just I, say. If we do a book, I want to cover that's full on like outrageous blades of glory bromance imagery. Uh, Mike awesome. like holding me or something. Done, dude. I'm going to make like that the... photo. Yeah, and that is not being that's photoshopped. That's going to be a legit yeah. photo shoot with okay. us in person. I want to make sure I share your links and the ways that people can get in touch with you both. Mike has a course. It's Boom. he's continuing to 
to con- add to it. I got it early because I went to a design mm-hmm. cuts webinar. Right. And so you guys got to mm-hmm. watch. There's a whole, it's a webinar like from August 24th through the end of August. Is that right? Tom, the design cuts, the procreate things. Oh, yeah, it's happening right now. It's this week. And then we've got our birthday event in October, which is going to be huge. There's all kinds of free content that you could do. And man, I spent a whole bunch of money and not really a whole bunch of money. $45.50 is all I spent. And I got a whole bunch of stuff because if you, you buy enough, it goes to 50%. I was like, wait, I thought it was going to, I thought I was getting the best. Anyway, it was 2.30 in the morning. I couldn't sleep. Diane sits on the couch with a bag of chips and her wallet at 2.30 in the morning. She's ready to go. I, I love that there's always content for me to consume that's teaching me better. I love mics. It is. It's different kind of content. So one's helping me be a better artist and one designer illustrator and then one's helping me to help people and listen and do better with my business not that tom's not helping me do business anyway mike's course is the best course in the world for freelancers and i've got record saying that over 40 40 hours now of content yeah Anyway, okay, so yeah. if you want to check it out, go to michaeljanda.com. If you want to go to that course and pick that up today, you can go to morejanda.teachable.com. Now, or freelancewithjanda.com oh, also, sorry. yes. That's okay. No, but the more Janda one works too. Okay. And yeah. then Tom, is this still just a sign up at tomross.co? Yeah, but this is another first <gasps> announcement. I'm getting a massive website built out starting next week which is going to be a repository for about a thousand pieces of my content that's going to be searchable and browsable. So you can search like hiring and it will be like his three podcast episodes and five videos and three articles that explain how to do that. That's awesome. So tomross.co and then Instagram, you can get more Janda at, mm-hmm. you can get Mike at more Janda and on Instagram, you can get Tom Ross Media. I also added Design Cuts because I just think that there's lots of Thank stuff you. you can get for there too. Designcuts.com, there is this whole thing that's going on this week with procreate so you guys should get in on it and instagram design cuts just like normal cuts like no z we got too anything. much stuff going on mike you ever feel like that i do feel like that every day my wife wonders why i have so much going on my husband wonders too not but about you it. about me i know we have some We're, patient partners yeah we do. that's absolutely you guys i know you gave me oh, tons diane of- can i be a terrible shameless plugger Please. Is that okay? Yeah. So the main one, probably like our biggest focus we talked about is the BizBuds, Biz, which yes. is Biz with a Z, BizBudsPodcast.com. But yeah, like that's the whole collaboration going on right now. We hope people love it. Every episode's like a, a free course. It's that actionable. And we hear that feedback all the time. But where is that live? Every single podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast, yeah, all of them basically. But not on a, on because I was like, okay, can I at hashtag, hashtag? for sure you could hashtag but there's not an app so there's not a website yet right no there's no Uh, website yet bizbudspodcast.com just resolves to the apple podcast channel yeah yeah that's what i was going to type in that's on my list tom assigned that to me too okay i guess the heavy lifting we get on anyway but that's good so again bizbuds with a z on that one biz b-i-z buds it's all black Right. So they're all wearing their brand. They're on brand today, people in their black T-shirts. Ooh. I clearly didn't get the memo, but thank you guys for doing this with me. And thank you both for coming to camp and doing camp. I appreciate Mike was number so two fun. and Tom was number last of 27, <laughs> depending on which one you bought. But I really appreciate it. And just thank you so much. And thank you guys. Thank Next you. week, it is the British invasion, people. We oh, have no. the whole month of September is no Americans. I don't know no. why. It just worked. Well, I thought we took care of this a couple of years ago. <laughs> so they're coming back. It's Abby Lemon, who is amazing. She's a designer yep. at Brand Pharmacy. Uh, she has her own company. She is next week, you guys. She is talking about yeah, strong great. women yeah. and women who are just owning it. And I love her. And then after that is Annalie Hansen. She was also at camp. She's in Sweden. She's the only non-UK person. And then Craig Hayworth, he if you guys yeah. don't know, Craig is like, yeah, I think he's in one of your groups or something, but he is a delegator, man. He knows how to find people and get them. He is, and he has these other projects. He's an actor really in real life, and but he mm-hmm. is just amazing. I can't Great wait guy. for you guys. I know. Anyway, I can't wait for the month of September. So thank you guys for, I guess, sort of Tom, you're just, I'm just saying you're beginning the British and then I guess Mike's in the American. He's honorary Brett with his terrible <laughs> accent. Oh, uh, they think. Accepting him. Right. Speaker boss.